Door of Hope Northeast. It is Cameron Hager once again, and this is our last and final, I guess that's redundant to say last and final, but I, I said it. It's our last and final uh, episode of our devotional series through the Gospel of John. If you've been listening along, I hope this has been encouraging for you. Um, it has been for me, and, and one of my favorite things has just been hearing the the variety of voices and perspectives that we've we've gotten through this. And so um, we are going to take the next week off um, from the sort of two or three times a week podcast, and then um, next week you'll kind of get the update on what we are going to do next. I think it's going to be a similar format probably for another month or so, and then we will... Um, make another transition after that as we begin to hopefully prepare for in in stages uh, things sort of ramping back up towards being able to meet in person and so um, again that's all subject to change uh, but what we do expect is that probably there's going to be meeting in small groups uh, in person before there's going to be meeting for a larger Sunday morning gathering and so uh, we just want to take all of that likelihood into account as we as we sort of plan for what sorts of things to do together as a community until then. Um, And once again, just being nimble and and being responsive as as news changes and develops. And uh, so we'll, you know, nothing we plan for right now is necessarily going to (laughs) hold. So whatever our plans are, we hope they're they're flexible and taking all that into consideration. But for now, we're going to finish up our time in the Gospel of John. And I thought just for for the last one, it'd be nice to just kind of cover bits of, of the whole final chapter, chapter 21, which uh, w- which many people kind of view as an epilogue to the book. Chapter 20 uh, records the resurrection, and we've already heard from Roger and from Josh, uh, appearances to, to two people in particular, Mary Magdalene and then Thomas. Um, and then following that interaction with Thomas, John gives us uh, just this little summary here. Then It's been referenced already, but I'll just read it here. Chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so John just gives you the purpose of his book. Like, why did he sit down and write this and record these particular things? It's so that you might believe, that word believe, just comes up again and again and again um, in the Gospel of John. Uh, We even go back and think specifically that famous verse from John 3.16, that whoever believes in him might have eternal life. Everything about the way John has written his Gospel is for this purpose, that people might believe. And I think that's fair to say, of course, of the other Gospels and, and really of the entire New Testament, that it would... Uh, stir up a belief uh, in in Jesus as the resurrected Messiah, King, and Savior of the world. Um, with belief, faith, trust, and repentance being the proper response to, to coming face to face with the good news of what Jesus has done and, and the inauguration of his kingdom. Um, but nonetheless, that's how chapter 20 ends. So chapter 21 kind of feels like an epilogue. He's He's already had the resurrection appearances. He's appeared to the disciples. He's had this, uh, these cool encounters with, with particular people. And then the purpose of the book has been given. Now we get chapter 21, where we just get a couple more stories that sort of tie up some, some 
thematic ends. They kind of give us some resolution with some of the important characters here. Um, and so that's what we're going to look at. First, uh, Jesus appears to seven disciples that were together. And so I'll read this first section. It says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. Uh, and I'll just pause there and say the Sea of Tiberias is uh, an alternate name for the Sea of Galilee. So they've, they've returned back to the region of Galilee where Jesus' ministry began, um, where he's from, where many of them are from, uh, and they're, they're back there. And let's keep reading. And he revealed himself in this way. Here's the story. Verse 2, Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat. You'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. The disciple that Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came into the boat and dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. So when they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net. Although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So this is an interesting little story. The, the disciples, um, they decide to go fishing on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, they're having trouble catching anything. They see someone about 100 yards off on the land um, and who gives them... Uh, advice to, to switch the side that they're fishing on, um, and they haul a bunch of fish. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved, again, believed to be John, and we're going to take it as John, um, he recognizes it's the Lord. And so Peter throws on a garment, jumps out, swims to shore, and then the disciples come in afterwards, and um, they eat together. Jesus has, has prepared a little fire, um, and they, they cook some of the fish, and there's just this kind of sweet little campfire moment where the seven plus Jesus hang out and they eat. Um, and we get this really interesting thing here where it says that they, they kind of want to ask him, who are you or who is this? Um, though at the same time, they knew it was the Lord. And it, it's this, this interesting moment. I like the way Don Carson puts this in his commentary. He says, the disciples know it's the Lord, but they're still so uneasy so hesitant, so uncertain that they apparently just long to ask him, like, is this really you? But they, they dare not to do it. And it's still, it's kind of a repetition of what we've seen with, with, uh, with Thomas in particular in, in that, that great scriptural quote that, that we hear so much. Um, I, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Um, 
that's kind of this sort of moment. There's, there's belief, but there's unbelief mixed in. And they're just like, is this really happening? We saw you die. Uh, can this even be reality that we're experiencing here? And yet Jesus just continues to, to press in and to sort of reassure them. And he eats with them. And, and more than anything, he, he serves them. He, he meets their fatigue and their tiredness and their hunger um, with breakfast, with food. Um, and he fellowships with them and he, he relationally joins them here in this moment, um, which, is, which is what Jesus does. And remember, this is still, these are still the same disciples that for the most part abandoned him in his time of great need. And we remember from several chapters back, he predicted that they were going to betray him. He predicted that they weren't going to suffer alongside him when it was time for him to go to the cross. And back then he offered them grace preemptively. And, and, and now, too, he offers them grace and he continues to serve them because this is the Jesus that we find in the scriptures, the Jesus who humbles himself repeatedly, graciously to serve those uh, who, even in their weakness, betray him, abandon him, are not faithful to him moment to moment. The grace continues to get poured out. And then the story goes on and we'll, we'll pick it up um, in verse 15 and following, we get this little story here with, with Jesus and Peter. So we're, we're, we're kind of, um, we're getting this interaction that the, the other uh, of the seven, the other six disciples are still here. But we get this kind of side conversation. Let's read about it. Verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk yourself wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he, that being Peter, was to glorify God. After saying this, he said to him, follow me. So just, just to pause here for a moment, we, we get this, this conversation with Jesus and Peter in front of the other disciples um, that's really actually important here. And at first it might seem kind of cruel, like Jesus just continually testing Peter's love for him, like asking him repeatedly three times, do you love me? But I think this is actually a really uh, another gracious interaction uh, of Jesus toward Peter in front of the disciples because... Um, after what Jesus declared, Jesus had declared earlier that Peter was going to betray him three times before the rooster crowed. Um, and Peter did. Three times he denied his closeness and his association with Jesus. And here, in front of the other disciples, it's almost this little reinstatement ceremony, you could say. Whereas three times before, Jesus said, I don't know him. Or, I'm sorry, Peter said, I don't know him. I'm not with him. I'm not one of his disciples. You're mistaken. Now, Jesus says, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Do you love me? Lord, you know, yes, you know everything. You know the truth that I do love you. 
And Jesus did know the truth that Peter did love him. And Jesus doesn't challenge Peter's response here. He accepts it. Peter's love for Jesus is sincere. And and whatever um, standing that Peter had as kind of a leader among the disciples that was lost uh, the night Jesus was betrayed with Peter's denials, it's now being reinstated. He's now being put forward once again um, as one of, uh, of, of Jesus' trusted, beloved disciples. And in fact, as a leader amongst them again, uh, as a shepherd of Jesus's flock, just just to take take the seriousness of what he's saying here, to, to shepherd, to feed, to tend my lambs, Jesus says. Jesus knows he's about to ascend to heaven. He's going to leave physically. Uh, he will no longer be with them, and he's, but he still has sheep. He still has lambs here in this world. He still has his beloved people. And he says, Peter, I'm entrusting you to care for them in my stead. Like, what an honor. What an honor uh, for someone just days before who uh, had betrayed him publicly. He now says, take care of what's most precious to me, my people. And Peter is reinstated here. Um, Once again, grace upon grace upon grace upon patience upon grace that Jesus extends to his people, Peter in particular. And this is a good reminder for for Christian leaders of any kind. If you're um, a leader in in a ministry at Door of Hope or or anywhere else, or you have some degree of spiritual influence over uh, anyone, um, family member, friend, coworker, um, it's so easy to be discouraged and to feel like we're, we're failures um, for Jesus uh, when we're in leadership. I know that I know that I don't express this a lot. I, I'm not the most vulnerable and open person, especially around like insecurities. Uh, but but I have them and and all kinds of times I feel like Jesus, am I even at all? leading or honoring you? Am I just a waste of of energy and effort in your kingdom? Um, And this kind of text just gives me a lot of of encouragement and strength to know that when I do fail, as I do often, and when I do sin, which I do often, and when I do uh, find myself foolishly comparing myself to other pastors or leaders or thinkers or whatever else, and I find myself coming up short, which I do often, this is the kind of passage that reminds me um, Jesus is very much in the business of using the foolish, um, the weak, um, the insecure, the underqualified, and so on and so forth. And he, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. His grace is sufficient and he uses all of us <laughs> as he sees fit, and he supplements. He does the work. He fills the gaps. His spirit intercedes, and so on and so forth. And there's grace for it all. Um, and so if you have felt that way, either as a leader or just as, as a believer, uh, remember the graciousness of our king, exemplified here to Peter, and let that energize you. And so after this interaction, we, we finish out uh, verse 19 with, after saying this, he said to him, follow me. And the picture is that you, you kind of get Jesus and Peter splitting off now from the group, taking a little walk together. Um, and so let's pick up verse 20. Peter turned and saw the disciple 
whom Jesus loved following them. So just to pause, Peter and Jesus take a walk. And Peter turns and sees that the, the disciple whom Jesus loved is following them. And, and Jesus, or, or and Peter's going to ask a question here. Um, we pick back up, and this is the one who had been reclining at table close to him and had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? And we'll pause there. So, so Peter uh, turns and asks a question about John, the beloved disciple. What's going to happen to him? And, and Jesus' answer is, in effect, kind of mind your own business. Um, I don't know if we have to read it in, incredibly harshly, but, but he's essentially saying, look, you're going to, to suffer and die. You're going to die a martyr's death. Um, Jesus predicting Peter's death. And it's, it's, this would have been read with a real pang because this gospel here was likely written after Peter's actual death. John, Peter was probably already dead at the time of, of the writing of this gospel. And so as the, as the early Christians are going to read this and they know that uh, sometime before Peter, their, their beloved father, their beloved spiritual leader, their beloved shepherd, um, one of these key like bedrock leaders of the early church had died. John chose to include this, this prediction of this here in the gospel. And um, this, that, this interaction has just added all this weight for that fact. And, and, and Jesus essentially says, look, you're, you're, you're going to die. Uh, you're going to be faithful to me throughout, a, throughout your, your, your life and ministry. And, and you're going to be faithful to me in your death. Um, but don't worry about the others. Everyone is given their own lot. And isn't that the truth? We're, we're often so much better when we just focus on what are the things God has called me uniquely to do. For Peter, it was shepherd the flock. It, it, was, it was to be one of these pillar figures in the early church. But then the story goes on. Um, uh, verse 24, John says, This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things, who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. So John here, the beloved disciple, identifies himself as the author of the book. Um, and we see that he has a different ministry. You know, Carson pointed out that every believer is to live under the commission of chapter 20, verse 21. I am sending you. We're all sent ones to a degree. We're all sent to, 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 to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And, and, and Jesus is the good king who brings salvation um, in our own ways, in our own spheres. But then there, are, he says, after that, there are distinctions. Peter serves by tending the flock and by glorifying God in his death. The beloved disciple, or John, serves by following Jesus throughout a long life and as the trustworthy disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. So we don't all have the exact same part to play. It's once again that, that, that body analogy that Paul uses in his letters that, that it's one body made up of many parts who serve different functions who are all nonetheless vitally important to both individual churches functioning well and to as well to the gospel going out around the world. Um, and then John concludes with verse 25, the final line of this gospel. He says, now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Just, 
just this note of grandeur that this Jesus that John has been so expertly uh, painting a picture of throughout the gospel is uh, just this, this magnificent picture of Jesus, theologically rich, gracious, um, very human, but, but, but divine, the son of God, the son of man, uh, God in flesh. He, he just wants to make the point that there were so many other things that, that my gospel can't capture, and, and even the other three canonical gospels can't capture. Were everything to be written and, and thought about and dwelled on and dissected, the world itself could not contain the books. He, it's this hyperbolic statement that the, the tr- these truths and the reality of what we experienced walking with Jesus is so much grander uh, than can even be understood or properly ca- captured. It's a beautiful note to end the book on and, and one that we'll end on. Um, Jesus himself is, is, is so big and so beautiful and so worth following uh, that it, it defies exhaustion. Um, but we think back to chapter 20. I just turned the page here where he gives the purpose of the book again. The purpose of all this, uh, of writing what he did, it's not just abstract to, to capture a glimpse, although this is important, to capture a glimpse of, of, of the, uh, the loftiness of, of the incarnated Son of God in the world for these years of, of Earth's history, but it's that you would believe. The goal is very tangible, that you would see him and trust him and find yourself uh, looped into his kingdom, find yourself a part of what he's doing in the world, find yourself forgiven of your sins by him, restored to relationship with God, and given a new story and a new place um, and a new mission to, to be a kingdom participant in, in helping the world see who he is, who the king is, what his kingdom's like in anticipation of it coming in full. Um, and so as you've read through John, I hope that that has been your experience. If you want to read back through, that would be a great thing this coming week. Just read back through the Gospel of John, hopefully with some fresh insight. Um, Having read through it already a couple, maybe a few times, depending on how you've been reading over these weeks. Uh, But just let it hit you again, again, to build up your faith and your trust, your belief that Jesus is King. Jesus is God made flesh. Jesus is the Savior of the world. And there is no better news than that. Amen. Amen. Well, we will hopefully uh, be jumping into something else together very soon. Uh, That news is on the way, but for now, uh, I hope this has been a blessing to you. Thanks.